Hey everybody, welcome back to the Home Care and Assisted Living Business Series podcast. Um, we're going to do something a little different today. I haven't posted in a while. Um, I'm going to share some um, uh, uh, um, some intimacy today, a little backstory, um, show my underbelly a little bit so you guys can know who you're dealing with, who you're listening to, who you're checking with. So um, what I'm going to share with you guys today is a, is a, is a snippet Um of the book that I'm currently publishing, um, the some of the audio from the uh, ghostwriting process. So, going to share that with you guys. Um, hope you enjoy it. Um, feel free to share it. Reach out to me, comment. Um, however, and let me know how what you guys think about it, and we'll uh, catch you on the next one. Peace. All right. So. What we were talking about is um, your feelings and hopes uh, leading up to that time that you were going to get out, be released. And then mm-hmm. what, were, what were some of the things that you um, were hoping to, you know, what was those things you were hoping to do and start and like relive life mm-hmm. thing? So, um, like I mentioned earlier, um, like the anxiety started about six months prior to my release. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of the things that I was really excited about uh, was seeing my daughter, spending time with my daughter, um, you know, getting a job, getting a place, just the small things, um, getting mm-hmm. my driver's license. I never had a driver's license prior to my arrest. Um Just you know, getting the basics, getting the basics set up, and yeah. uh, also uh, you know there was excitement about you know or just it it was fear and it, but it was also anxiety just like who's left who's there like you know friends as far as my friends were like what's mm-hmm. where, where where were they because I hadn't heard from anyone um in like year like six, over the, the entire six years like most of my friends I hadn't talked to. I only talked to like one person, um, like two times over the course mm-hmm. of six years. So there's a lot of, you know, uh, anxiety or just excitement about seeing where my friends were, what they were into, um, who was left, what were they, you know, what were their life's looking like at that point. Um, obviously, being with a female again, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I hadn't been with a woman for six years, obviously. So that was that was there, of of course. Um, mm-hmm. And like you say, the new information. Like I had, I had GED. I had mm-hmm. uh, quite a few college credits. Um, I had read, I mean, well over you know two hundred books probably. Mm-hmm. A lot of the books I read were um, financial books. And, you know, I read the Wall Street Journal. Like up, like my last year, I read the Wall Street Journal almost every day. And um, my first thing, my first goal, like, you know, getting out was to get a computer and start paper trading. Yeah. I wanted to start day trading. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, when I, you know, that was my first big goal, like, to go home and get a computer. So, uh, when I I finally left, like, the first day of my release, um, my dad picked me up. 
uh, you know, he was uh, he was out there in front of the president. You know, they give you a little, you know, your your, your going away stuff. They give you like, uh, I don't even think they gave me any money. Like whatever money was left on my commissary was like eighteen, nineteen bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, a little, you know, whatever like letters and stuff that I had that I wanted to take my personal items and stuff like that. I left everything else in there, like my sweat clothes, my tennis shoes to other prisoners and stuff like that. My TV, my radio. I left mm-hmm. all that in there but other prisoners can, you know, keep it and stuff like that. Right. Um, got with my dad. And it was just, you know, that first day, um, it was really, it was really good. You know, my, my dad looked healthy. He seemed happy. We were happy and uh, and we were hopeful. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much how to, you know, that first entry back into society happened um the first thing i had to do was like some simple stuff get my birth certificate get my social security card so i had to go to mm-hmm. the office before i could get my id so i had to go to these places then get my id then go to the um the the, the, the dmv to get my driver's license and none of this stuff happened like overnight you know, like it was like appointments and sitting around the office and making this. So, and then getting a ride, you had to wait for people to get you, you know, get there. My dad was doing a little odd job, so he wasn't always available. And one yeah. thing that you do in prison, one thing that happens in prison is like you lose the sense of like time. So, yeah, you don't realize how long things take because you feel like, okay, I just got out of prison, I'm gonna have my driver's license the same day, I'm gonna get yeah. a car and a parking. <laughs> job in the first week you know i'm mm-hmm. having a bank account so it's like i didn't realize like it was going to take me two to three months you know mm-hmm. to get a job place get a car you know like not even get a car get my driver's license get my id get my birth certificate like i had to get you know wait for stuff to come back in the mail so that mm-hmm. was like the first like frustration it was like wow um but then i didn't have any money and like yeah. at all and i was like grown man and I didn't have any money. I was um, I was living with my dad. He had like a little one bedroom apartment, and I was like sleeping on his couch. And um, but it was okay. It was like no pressure. Mm-hmm. My dad was always laid back. He was never like at this point in his life, he wasn't like ripping and running the streets. He was considered he he considered himself clean, even though I felt like he was still abusing like. His medicines, like his pharmaceuticals, like his his prescriptions, but mm-hmm. um, he was no longer doing heroin. He was no longer drinking alcohol, and mm-hmm. uh, so he was he was doing a lot better. And right before I came home, I don't know if it was right before I came home or right when I came home, he had a liver transplant, so he couldn't do so so much, but he was still well enough to like work and do jobs and stuff like that. So um, me and him, we had got really, really close. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, he had gone to church. He got serious about the church. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of like, that was like my my, my atmosphere um, when I first came home. Um, my first job, so I had, I had signed up for a temp agency. I was in um, a small city in Ohio called Lorraine, Ohio, and I had signed up for a temp agency and I had got a, uh, my cousins had told me, like, hey, go through this temp agency. Maybe they'll hire you at the steel mill because that's where he was working. And I mm-hmm. ended up getting a job at the steel mill. And that was my first job. I was making $7.50 an hour. 
And um, but we were working twelve hour shifts seven days a week. <laughs> so wow, it, being good money, but it was a swing shift. So I worked seven to seven from a.m. p.m. But then I'll go back in 7 to 7, p.m. to a.m. the next week. So it was like a real crazy schedule. And it was really hard to function because, like, you will sleep. Your sleep patterns were so screwed up. Because if you're mm -hmm. up all day from, you know, 7 to 7 p.m. for one week and then you're up all day from 7 to 7 a.m. to p.m. next week, you can't really get sleep. So um, I did it because I was making enough money to get my own apartment. I was making enough money to eventually first, you know, and get my first computer. I had got to download it like the software and pay for all the things that I needed to get my day trading up. I was doing some paper trading and paper mm -hmm. trading is when you follow stocks and pretend mm -hmm. like you, 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 you buy them at certain points, mm -hmm. like, um, fake, like a, a fake purchase. Like I'm going to buy this, like I'm going to buy Microsoft at, you know, 30, 30, 30, 30 dollars a share. Right. And then you'll hold it for six, you know, three or four days and then you'll sell it. And then going back to the numbers, you can kind of tell if you would have made money or not. So uh. I've been I've already been paper trading and then I had downloaded what they call a simulator, mm -hmm. um, a trading simulator, which was the same thing, but it just wasn't on paper. Now it was a computerized simulator where you're, you're doing, you're making trades with like fake money, pretty much. So I down, uh, I got my computer. I was um working, and I was like studying the stock market while I was at work, and like while I was um like had downtime and stuff like that. And that was pretty much my routine. Um, I couldn't visit. I could visit Maryland, where all my family was, where my daughter was, where mm -hmm. my mom and my sister were were, but I mm -hmm. couldn't stay there. I had to ask mm -hmm. for permission because I was on strict parole. Um, yeah. being home from prison and you know I, and I had to start the process of transferring my probation to Maryland because eventually I wanted to move back to Maryland because that's where I was from I knew it was more opportunities the economy was better I can get a better job and stuff like that I just felt like I wanted to be in Maryland opposed to Ohio <clears throat> yeah okay um how did you feel? Well, tell me about that anxiety of, um, so Maryland is where, where you grew up and hung out with yeah. the friends that you were, um, doing the other lifestyle with, like you were yeah. coming out of a certain lifestyle. So did that bring about a certain amount of anxiety as hooking back up with them and how you would approach yeah. that? So, um, it was a couple people that I did you know, a couple guys from my past that I did reconnect with. Um, you know, there was a first a first guy like um, there was one guy named Myron. He was still like still like totally um, entrenched in the street. Still like nothing has changed. Only seemed like it got worse. Um, he had beat a murder case, and he was very like on edge. And when I because I only spoke to him on the phone, and he was mm -hmm. like, "Bro, it's still you know you know he did he gets." He, he presented, you know, his reality to me as if, like, you know, I need you back out here because, you know, it's it's basically it's war. It's beef in the streets. And, you know what I mean? And it was just mm -hmm. like, when I, his tone just made me feel like, 
I got to cut this dude off. I got to, you know, make sure I change my number. I, I don't want to deal with him no more. Yeah. Um, another guy, a friend of mine was, you know, it wasn't that extreme, but it was like, he, I could tell that he was still hustling. He was real vague with his, what he was eating with what he had going on in the streets. And, um, so I knew he, what type of times he was on. But then, like, uh, my final partner, like, one of the older guys that I, I kind of was up under, and the, one of the guys that I was mentioning to you in the prior, prior chapter was mm -hmm. that the guy that my mom had told me, she this is the person that she wanted me to work with. And I, and I get, that guy named Patrick. And mm -hmm. she was like, uh, that was him. He, so he was totally out the streets, and he was on the verge of starting his own company. And it's interesting okay. about, and I'm, you know, I don't know if I put this in the other the notes that I gave you from the other stuff, from the, mm -hmm. the initial notes that I sent you. He had started his own business, his own tree service. So oh, okay. I was really excited about that because he wanted me, you know, to be a part of his what he had going on, and mm -hmm. um, that was another reason, you know, another, you know, reason for me to get to Maryland, get back to Maryland, um, so I can, you know, eventually start working with him. So uh, <clears throat> those are like the three people that were still around. Some people had passed. Others were in prison. Some some were just like strung out on drugs or like like a really good friend of mine. He was like, um, he was like a drunk. Like the people would tell me like, you know, his name was Ace. They'd be like, Ace, yeah, I seen him, you know, just like on the avenue, just begging for out, you know, just looking like mm -hmm. out of and uh, I never went to go see him. I didn't want to see him in that state. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, people, certain people were just not there anymore. So, um, yeah, that's how that went down as far as, like, friends and stuff. I had, uh, so, like, within, like, the first two months of my release, I had a, got an apartment. Um, oh, uh, an, apart, an apartment in, in, in Lorraine. Um, and I had met my eventual wife. Mm -hmm. She was um, visiting a, um, a neighbor of mine who who I knew also, and we and I had went over there, and then she was over there. Then we, we you know, we got we hooked up, and then um, we got the date, and then, you know, eventually <laughs> she she just never left my life from that point up until mm -hmm. marriage, kids, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, so it was two months after my release that I actually met her. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. So that part, let's see. That's that part. So let's talk about how it transitioned um, into what you call the backslide portion. So, um, so as I'm working these hours, and, Mer and Ohio's like pretty much dragging their feet. They're telling me you're going to be in Ohio for at least 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, we're not going to be able to transfer you for like the first year. And as I'm trying to do this, um, this shift at this steel mill, mm -hmm. it's it's just hard to to maintain these hours. And I seen other guys do it. I seen my cousin do it. And it was just like for me, it was like I just felt like this isn't. I'm better than this. I can't keep working like this. And then one time um, I had came home. So this is right like four, three, four months into the job, maybe even longer, but uh, not too much more longer than that. I'm, I'm sure I wasn't there for six months. I had went home and then when I blew my nose, I remind you, I'm dealing with, uh, with like pipes 
like big old pipes that they use to uh transport oil. Like these are yeah. oil pipes for, for BP. Uh-huh. So they're pipes that they go deep into the ocean or deep underground and they, you know, they transport oil to these pipes. So we're like welding and um uh, uh getting the uh the uh what they call like the inefficiencies out of the pipe so there might be dented and stuff like that so we'll have to make the pipes nice and smooth and get out all, all the imperfections so we're mm-hmm. around a lot of uh shrapnel or like like dust like steel dust mm-hmm. and one day i came home and i blew my nose and it was like the, the, the tissue was black and i seen like all of this black soot on my every time i blow my nose and it started to scare me I was like, man, if it's going in my nose, it's got to be going in my lungs. Mm. So uh, I'm like, I can't do this. You know what I mean? I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I, and then I started, you know, I went back to the temp agency. They're like, well, you know, and then this this particular area that I'm in, the, the economy is depleted. They have no industry. And it was like, like the steel mill or nothing. It wasn't even mm-hmm. like no, you know, like no menial jobs like Walmart. Not, I mean, I won't say menial, but, you mm-hmm. know, basically work it wasn't nothing and then like when i would apply for stuff they wouldn't they wouldn't hire me anyway because of my background so mm-hmm. um i had reached back i had i still had people that i knew from prison i had their contact information and i you know i reached out and i had started hustling um i had got a package and um <clears throat> i was because i was hustling before i went to prison in ohio i still had you know, these still people, I came back to the same community pretty much, mm-hmm. and I still knew the people, so I could still get my packages off. Um, I was trying to work the job and do it, but eventually I quit the job, and I was back hustling full-time probably um, six months after my release. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, old habits, all the old habits started to come back. So now I was... Um, Drinking pretty much every day. I, I knew not to get high because I knew the probation was going to piss test me. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I knew not to touch drugs because, I, you know, it would be in my system. Because I was back selling cocaine and uh, marijuana at this point. And um, mm-hmm. my PO would come check. I didn't have a job. So he, he would, you know, eventually I had lost the job. But I was showing him because I was trading on... Oh, and, and also, I had a trading account set up, so I eventually started day trading, and that was kind of like my cover to my probation officer. Mm-hmm. He didn't, it was so scientific and complex to him that mm-hmm. when he came because he used to come to my house and do like house visits, he was mm-hmm. almost fascinated. I had all these monitors set up, I had these computers, I had like you know, CNBC and Bloomberg playing on the TV. Like the squawk box where they actually like mm-hmm. updating the the, the, the uh, financial data in real time, and he saw mm-hmm. all these graphs. And it, it it looked fancy to somebody who doesn't know what it was, but it was like real basic stuff. To, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like a trader on Wall Street. It was kindergarten like <laughs> stuff, but yeah. he was fascinated by it. And because he yeah. saw doing something, and he came in my house. He saw all these Wall Street journals because I was still had the habits of like reading and good habits like that. Um, he didn't make me get a job. He's like, well, if you're doing enough to pay your bills and things like that, you know, I was showing them bank statements that I was be able to making money on here, um, paying my bills, paying my rent, 
you know, I hadn't had anything other than that. Like, I didn't have any child support or anything like that. My first uh, child's mother, Zaya's mom, didn't do anything like that. So it was just basically me taking care of myself and my personal necessity. And um, he gave me, you know, he, he, he let me day trade. He's like, okay, you're learning how to trade. You're able to do it. You're making enough money. You, I'm not going to make you get a job if you day trade. So mm -hmm. that was my, <laughs> uh, I used that as an opportunity. Basically, I was free from parole. So I could kind of go come and go as I please. I didn't have to have a job. And that's oh, one okay. of the things that most people in, on parole, you got to have a job. So I was able to move around, you know, in the streets a little bit more flexible because my PO wasn't sweating because he thought I was in the house day trade. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's see. But so, I was day trading, but I wasn't successful at all at it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cover-up plan. Yeah, it was more of a cover than anything. <clears throat> the um, So with that process of just reverting back from um, or going back into the game, I'll say the, you didn't tell me how far back or um, you didn't go to the extent where I see that at. I just saw something. Oh, so I'm reading here. So you quit your day job. You start engaging in some of the drug dealing again. And then, um, there was a lot of things that happened in between there. Did your girlfriend move in with you or did she you yeah. move back in with your mom? She moved in with me. Me like we started dating and she was probably moved in within a month. Okay. In my place that I had that my first initial apartment when I came home. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, you were doing the the things with her there and she knew? Yeah, she knew about the uh activity the drug activity but she had a job and she was in school okay yeah she was a cna and that tell that kind of leads into how i ended up in the home care business in the assisted living business because of her profession like she was a caregiver and she was going to school to you know as a medical mm -hmm. assistant yeah. so that's where this so that's where it, it all tie in with the home care and the senior living that's where yeah. that came from Okay. When she entered my life, that's where I became, you know, but later on, but that's when, yeah, that's who introduced me to that industry. Okay. Yeah. So her tie in there. And then at what point um, was there any conflict, though, with that? With, with, with her? Lifestyle? Yeah, with her no, lifestyle. Uh-uh, it wasn't because her last, she was pretty much you know, she was already like dealing with guys in that world prior to me, and I think it was more, you know, it 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 was almost an attraction because, you know, like I said, when you come home from prison, the community, certain aspects of the community, I'm gonna say everybody, but you know, mm -hmm. certain aspects of the black community, they kind of celebrate mm -hmm. you, and the younger mm -hmm. girls are kind of fascinated about that kind of guy. You know, you all buffed up, you all, you know, in good shape, you looking clean, you looking healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, attracted to me. And I mean, and I still was, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like a a, a church boy or choir boy. I still had mm -hmm. my, you know, I, mm -hmm. I wasn't doing any crimes at the, in mm -hmm. the beginning, but I was still, you know, I still had my personality and like right. my street, you know, swag with, you know what I mean? Kind of like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it probably was like a big attraction for her. 
And because of that, when she when I went back to the streets and I told her, like, I this job not working for me. I don't want to get my lungs and, you know, and it, and the shift was just too much and I can't find anything else and I'm not mm-hmm. going to lose my place. You know, yeah. I can't go back to the, I'm not going to the homeless shelter. And it right. was like, you know, I felt like I didn't have any other option. Um, and, and she was made aware of it. She didn't like take part in it or, you know, accomplice of anything like that initially later on, but not initially. Um, yeah. Okay. So then, so that process went along and then what happened to make you, um, was it you that moved with your mom or both of you? Okay. So my, so eventually my probation had transferred to, uh, Maryland and this was probably like a year after like about a year, uh, Ohio had gave me you know, my, um, they gave me permission to transfer to uh, the state of Maryland, um, to Annapolis, Maryland, where my mom was staying and where mm-hmm. I currently still reside, um, in the area. And, um, first I moved, my mom was, she gave me 90 days. She said, you can come stay with me. My mom was very strict. Nothing like my dad. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. 90 days. You got to find a job. Um, and you can stay with me. Um, she had a very little place, one bedroom. I slept on the couch and mm-hmm. uh, it was very, very small. But she was by herself. She didn't have like any boyfriends or anything. So mm-hmm. she was cool with it. She was happy that being, you know, me and her had finally been in this home together, sober. She was also clean. Um, she had been clean for like eight years. She was mm-hmm. doing therapy and stuff like that. Uh, but she had found out, you know, that she was bipolar and you know, paranoid, schizophrenic. So she was taking medicine and I don't feel like she was abusing them like my dad was, mm-hmm. but she was, um, she was doing well. She had got a good job at the, uh, teachers union, um, mm-hmm. here in down. So in Annapolis capital, it's like the capital of the state. So there was a mm-hmm. lot of like, jobs and she had got in at a government, um, mm-hmm. facility. I mean, at a government, uh, office, Mm-hmm. At the uh, teachers union, and they they were like the union for all the teachers in the state of Maryland. So I moved in with her, and then somebody from the A. She was going to NA. She was in the NA room. She was really heavy on NAAA. Um, she was very she was active, and then she had reached out to somebody while she was in AA, and told them, like a brother, who was local that you know she told him that her son was here and he need, and I needed a job and dude mm-hmm. you know he got me a, a, a job at the uh Annapolis waterfront Marriott which is was probably the most prestigious hotel in downtown Annapolis so um so I was working so like within within 30 days she had helped me find a job but every day my mother had a, a thing about um you're not going to be laying up in my house while I'm at work. Like, if I'm out the house, you out the house. Getting a job is like having a job. You're going to be out there for eight hours, filling the applications, um, mm-hmm. you know, knocking on doors, trying to get a job. And she was very strict about that. So I wasn't even able to just lay around the house and watch TV. I would have mm-hmm. to be downtown on the store mm-hmm. or just be messing around until she get off. And a lot mm-hmm. of the times I just time down there with her her breaks and stuff like that and I could be sitting in her office and we we actually bonded and spent a lot of good quality time together. 
you know. Yeah, good. So good. That, um, let's see if I got what I need here on this piece. So um, during this time, you were, you got, you had, you said you did get a job. She got a hookup for you through a friend to work. Mm -hmm. And when did things start getting, um, your girlfriend wasn't there yet, right? She came within like, uh, like in like after I got my job, she had came mm -hmm. like, um, she had came to visit, and my mom said, "Okay, she's okay to visit. You know, let her visit for like a week or something, and then mm -hmm. while she's here, she put in some applications." And she yeah. came visit, she put in applications. She had graduated from her school as a medical assistant, and she already had a background as a caregiver. So, um, she had got a job. You know, I mean, she got mm -hmm. some interviews once she went yeah. home. So when she got some interviews. My mom said, okay, she's come, she can come back and go on her interviews. So it was mm -hmm. kind of like that. And then oh. once she got a job, got an interview, once she got an interview, got a job, then she moved in with, so it was me, her, and my mother. And then it was a lot, you know, and then we eventually, we had to get our own place. But, but yeah. it was like really, it was like within like less, probably 90 days. I might oh. not be exact with it time frame but it wasn't mm -hmm. like year spans yeah because i know it's like three or four months at the max yeah and so when did things start getting um for you when did things start getting like you were done again with the the drug lifestyle um so my what they call my connect in ohio had uh cut me off um, he said he was transitioning into another product that I wasn't interested in. And, um, so I didn't have any more, I didn't have any more, um, I didn't have a connect. So like at this point, you don't just deal with anybody. I'm a lot smarter. I'm not just going to go to old, I'm just not going to deal with anybody. The dude that I trusted, he was like, look, I can't supply you with any more, you know, drugs and stuff like that. And plus I was living with my mom, so I didn't really have anything going i didn't have much going on at that point anyway i didn't want to bring it to her house obviously mm -hmm. um then i didn't want to do anything in maryland because i had just had you know i just wanted to get my feet on the ground but um <clears throat> another one of my partners that end up coming home and um while I was in Maryland. So at this point, I'm already moved out of my mom's. Another one of my partners that came home, well, a couple of my partners came home. Um, I had an, uh, and, and I started, you know, I started back up again. 